Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number three to get right with Reg and KG on 105. Three of the fan, Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. That's right. The biggest questions for each team after the NFL draft has concluded. We'll get into that conversation here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers 105. Three of the fan. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The truckrate.com text line 877-881-1053. 877-881-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation, we're also live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam and on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Search 105 through the fan on YouTube. You can check out all of our videos from any of our shows throughout the course of the day. Before we get to each question for the 32 teams in the NFL after the NFL draft, the Philadelphia 76ers on the road in game number one without... Joel Embiid get a 119-115 win over the Boston Celtics. That is because James Harden turned back the clock and went for 45 on the night against the Celtics. Harden sizing up Harper. It's a three. Okay, wait a minute. Run that back. Uh-oh. Because I just want to hear the greatness that is Kevin Harlan. Harden sizing up Harper. It's a three. Oh! Harden's got 45! Timeout, Boston! His, you know, I, I don't want to butcher, so I'm not going to say it, but his good call is, um, is getting close. To the Mike Breen bang. Bang, yes. Yeah. Ah! Oh, wow. He had that. Oh, you up. had the. Uh, he had the uh, that's he what I'm talking that. about. That's what I'm talking about. Um, uh, speaking of that shot, though, uh, Joe Mazzula, head coach of the Boston Celtics, was asked about the James Harden game win three. Uh-huh. His quote was, Al's one of our best defenders and has been all year. He made a big shot. Um, Al Horford has had trouble this, mm. this offseason. Mm. James Harden, Trey Young. Um, I did think that was a good assignment, but I was mm. like, and you just decide if he shoots over you, you deal with it. He shot seven to 14 from three. Yeah, right? like the step back. That's the problem. This is the issue with it uh, because this is the tough part. I saw Jalen Brunson step up and do the, uh, well, I'll, I'll guard you this time. And James Harden sauced him up and took him to the rack. And I was like, oh, okay, I know what time it is tonight. And that's the tough part about it for from that perspective. Um, Celtics. I can't say they were bad, but like there was instances where you looked up and you saw qualitatively because quantitatively you look at it fit 60% from the field, 39% from deep, 95% from the free throw line, right? Like that is quantitatively with the numbers, solid game. Qualitatively, there's just something left to be desired sometimes when they play and it feels like they're not locked in. And I understand that, that's not really that's not really something that's easy to get everybody on board with. But as you watch the basketball game, you see what we're talking about, and that that should not be the way that this goes without Embiid dictating the way that the game goes. Particularly with James Harden 
not being James Harden of old, even though he played very well tonight, like there should have been, I think, a better resistance in this game. But hey, it is what it is. They are now down uh, 1-0 on their home court, and they better hope that Joel Embiid doesn't play next game. Harden goes for 45, 17-30 from the field. This despite the fact that Jason Tatum went for 39 himself for the Boston Celtics. Smooth. 76 is 119, Celtics 115. Get the road win, steal home court advantage in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Joel Embiid's status for game number two remains up in the air at this point. Must be tough to be a Boston fan these last 24 hours. Yo! Yo! <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later on, but yeah, it was a rough weekend for Boston after what happened to their hockey team. Yeah, bros gave it all back. I wouldn't know nothing, anything about that because I live in a land where the stars Talk about it. out here handling business. They're Talk to them. Taking on the Kraken in the Western Conference semifinals. Speaking of teams not handling business, what's happening in Colorado? I thought we were Yo. supposed to play. I thought we were supposed to see you. What happened? I, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I was looking forward to an Avalanche star series. Think about Nathan McKinnon, Jason Robertson, Haskinen, like it was going to be on and popping. You can still think about Nathan McKinnon, just make sure that it's in the context of vacation. <laughs> That's all. That's very true. That's Cancun all. Cancun three. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Do hockey players do the Cancun in three? Is there is there a more desirable place for the hockey players, or are they also only? I mean, look, I'm not trying to, you mm. know, I just want to know what 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 is the right cultural uh <laughs> cultural send off. I'll call Joey. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes, please. Yes, uh, call. Hockey like Hawk are, Jr. Is, are they, are they uh, going to Minnesota? Are they going to Jackson Hole? Is it Jackson Hole in three? I can tell you where Boston isn't going. That's South Florida. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. where they are not going for vacation after what just happened to them. Uh, we'll touch on something. Or maybe they will. You know, I feel Hell like this, no. maybe the South For- Let Florida. Me say fa- something. Maybe the South Florida fans will be nice and buy them drinks. And stuff. The last place Jim Montgomery and his Boston Brewers want to go anywhere near is South Florida. Nowhere near it. I don't care how sunny it is. How nice the sunny. views are. The vistas are very nice. Uh, no, I'm not seeing anything they got to do with Florida right now after what just happened to They me. lost to the Florida Panthers. Yo, though. they were up three games to one and gave it up. I wonder I wonder how much like the NHL league offices are feeling this. They had an original six team being the best team that we've in the ever league. seen. <laughs> the, Literally the ever season, seen. Ever. Get bounced by the lowly Florida. They don't even really play in Miami. They play like in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Got bounced by the oh, Panthers. Man, shout out to Haley Sutton, who's a big uh, tough uh, Florida Panthers fan. He's really calling Joey. That is hilarious. He's really calling Joey right now. Yeah, get him on the line. Is it? I'm gonna talk to him. If you get him, on, is that him on the phone? You got? He's okay. He's yeah. gonna get him on the phone. We're yeah, gonna fantastic. Ask Joey Joey Erickson, the Hockey Hawk Junior. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yep, that's what he is, affectionately known as now, Hockey Hawk Junior. Um, or Junior Hockey Hawk. Which one are we gonna go? Would you rather be referred to as Junior Hockey Hawk or Hockey Hawk Junior, Joey? Um, I don't know. I haven't been uh, given this dilemma. Uh, I'm giving it to you uh, right now. I'm interested. Oh, um, go ahead and mark that for I, me, by the way. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I like Hockey Hawk Junior if that's what you would like to use. You don't have to. This, this is right, a cool. false dichotomy. You it, don't have to play his game. It's too late. It will forever be known and decreed. <laughs> Hockey Hawk Jr., Joey the Jet Erickson, that is your full name now, um, giving yeah. us the uh, the the analysis yeah, real quick. Yeah, very important analysis that's necessary here. We were supposed to be talking about the NFL, but we wanted to talk to you because we have an important question for you. Yeah, so okay. um, you know how in basketball, when we're sending people home, we say Cancun in three? 
What's the NHL equivalent? Is there like a place? Like we going to Alaska or something? Yeah. Basically, the golf course would what it would be. It'd be like, all right, time to tee it up. That's okay. where everybody goes. Everybody goes to, go to the golf, golf course. course. Do, do we yeah. know if there's like one that's popular? Or is everybody uh, going to the win? Is everybody going to Vegas? <laughs> no, no, no. There, there's not a certain one. I think just anything to get your mind off of a crippling series loss is, is good enough for them. All right, but while we got you on the line, yeah. our de facto mm-hmm. uh, hockey expert, just can you can you put into some level of terms how much of a fumbled bag it is for the Boston Bruins <laughs> to lose to the Florida Panthers, um, both when it comes to like quality of team and just like market size and fan base? Yeah, that I, I mean, it, it is pretty large when you think about it in in the grand scheme of things, because Boston had literally the best regular season in the history of the NHL. <laughs> it's it's hard to do. And they basically dominated everybody. And the funny thing is as well, I don't think Boston lost a game in regulation at home for the first three months, maybe four months of the season. Uh, it, it took forever for them to even get beat at home. And then they lost game five and seven at home in overtime <laughs> by a, a Florida Panthers team who, who's frankly not – that great but hey that's why you got to get into the dance right uh i I know i've seen comparisons of the 18 and 0 patriots losing to the giants is somewhat like that uh you can think back kind of the the mavs losing to the warriors back in the day too is hey hey, relax relax now relax relax yeah it's uh not not very good if you're boston but hey i think they've had enough runs uh with championships uh, over the past few decades don't you think Okay, so so not only the historic loss that Boston suffered in seven games, but, yo, this is what now 10 years in a row that the President's Mm -hmm. Cup winner has not even, not just not won the Stanley Cup, they haven't even made it to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I love so much about the game, right? Uh, hockey is so random, and, and this is this is what it's all about nowadays. There's so much parity in the league. Teams just want to get in. Uh, you know, we've seen it before when, when you talk about, you can think about the LA Kings from, you know, just a few years ago where they were an eight seed and they made a run all the way to the finals. You get a goaltender that gets hot, uh, they can really ride you for a while. Uh, don't mark that. You think about Anton mm-hmm, Kudobin mm-hmm. uh, with how hot he got for the Stars. I mean, that Dallas Stars team wasn't great. They were good, but you get a goaltender in net that was phenomenal, and they they took him to the cup final. So, yeah, it, it's incredible. Uh, I, I don't know what it's about with teams winning the President's Cup. It's just one of those things, I guess, that uh, it, it doesn't really bode well for postseason success. All right, so the Stars are going to be facing off against the Kraken as opposed to the Avalanche because the Avs gave up the booty, as I'd like to say. Man. Um, yeah. What are the, what are Stars fans looking forward to in this matchup with the Kraken that starts tomorrow? Yeah, well, I think it'll be a, a really fun series. This is a, a, a team for the Kraken that are, are going to be, you know, a real gritty team, right? Uh, you know, you talk about the Wild and they're great first. This is the definition of a team that, is going to try to, you know, grind you down and keep possession and force your defense to work. 
they're pretty deep too for an expansion team when you when you think about. It. And they're not very young. They have some guys that have a lot of postseason experience. There, there's guys like Jordan Eberly that you're going to want to look out for uh, that have had a lot of success. Uh, Jamie Alexiak on, on the back end is coming back from Dallas. Uh, he was a star from a couple years ago. They have a, a lot of offensive firepower on the back end. Actually, Vince Dunn is. Uh, one of the better offensive defensemen in the game. Uh, Grubauer was phenomenal the other night. I know a lot of people saw that. He he, he was incredible. But yeah, I I think you'll you'll get a really fast and hard nosed type of, of hockey between these two teams. Uh, and you look back at the season series, it was some incredible games. The Stars in two of the games had to score goals in the final 30 seconds of the uh, of the game to force overtime and the stars ended up on the uh, the right side in both of those uh, contests so uh, a, a good a good series I think the stars are the better team uh, I think the majority of people think that but uh, you know you don't have to be the better team that always wins look at the avalanche right that's right oh no actually you know what they weren't the better team in your face, ass. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm not going to lie to you. I was really looking forward to seeing Colorado and Dallas yeah. in the next mm-hmm. round because, I mean, the defending, you know, like I just wanted to see those two teams go at it. It would have been a lot of fun to see Nathan McKinnon and <laughs> the Avalanche take on yeah. the Stars mm-hmm. in the next round. Absolutely. I mean, he's one of the best players on the planet. And uh, but th- but they ran into some injuries uh, and some off the, the ice issues with one of their guys, too. And. Uh, it came back to hurt him. So, uh, but it, it makes the path easier for your Dallas Stars to to get to the conference finals. And uh, well, it's all right there in front of them. Can't get ahead of yourself. You you, you got to go one game at a time now. So I was just asking, are Stars favorite? Are they the favorite now to get out of the West? Uh, I believe Edmonton is the favorite. I think uh, Dallas is right below them. We talked about a little bit on K and C today. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, believe it or not, finally got out of the first round. They finally they won the a series, damn it. They finally yeah. won a series. And then uh, it went Edmonton and, and then Dallas. So uh, it looks like Vegas actually uh, likes Dallas a little bit, which I was surprised. They usually seem to fly under the radar. But, uh, you, you know, Dallas put up a, a nice effort in their first round. So we'll see. Joey, I appreciate you very much allowing us to bother you. This turned into like a very good segment, and I had no inclination. <laughs> I, I was just going to ask you a stupid question. So, um, well, Hockey Hawk Jr. got the answers, that. man. He's not going to be called that. He's called. He's Joey Says the Jet. Who? His name Joey the Jet. Um, Joey, by the way, from the six hundred one, we got this texted in. How about this as a uh, as a trial run? Let's see if you like it. Pebble Beach in three. Oh, that that would be beautiful. I mean, hey, it's an iconic golf course. Uh, why not get uh, get some fresh breeze off the Pacific Ocean? So I, I'm I'm down. Pebble Beach in three, then baby. That's where I'm going right now. Pebble Beach in three. No, no, no. The star's still playing, so you got to hang. Yeah, around. Hey, yeah, 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 man. Come on, right. I'll hang around. Yeah. I'll hang around. Yeah. I'll hang around. <laughs> uh, the Hockey Hawk Junior. Joey the Jet nineteen on Twitter. Joey Erickson. Uh, appreciate you giving us our an impromptu hockey segment here on the Get Right. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, guys. You have a wonderful night. All right. Watch uh, Game 7 right now, man. It's pretty electric. Watching it. Can't stand the okay. Devils. Good can't st- can't we'll stand Martin Brodeur. Can't stand him. <laughs> all right. There he goes. Joey. Yeah, I was like, we tried to say bye to him like three times. I know. And it didn't right. work. It didn't take. That's funny because we're watching the Rangers and the, the Devils play. I just remember Motan- Martin Brodeur way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Just, also, Sterling's going to be happy. And who needs that, you know? Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. He shout is, out to Sterling. Yeah, shout out to Sterling.
Although his nets, you know, got crushed. There we the, go. Yeah, there we go. There's yeah. the balance. There Thanks. We go. That's there, big. There brings we go. a big smile to my oh, face. That's right. I'm gonna text him right now. <laughs> Coming up next on the game, I hope you enjoyed the uh, impromptu hockey segment. Thank you, Ruben, for the uh, the phone call there. Coming up next on the uh, the get right. Oh, so yeah, we're not talking about the NFL, but no, um, no. with with uh, the way that the Milwaukee Bucks went out, with that, with the way that the Bruins went out, sad. Are American sports answering the right question the wrong way? I'll tell you what I mean on the other side. It's one hundred five through the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are American sports answering the right question the wrong way? It's the Get Right. We're Reggie KG right here on 105 through the fan. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. Kevin Gray, Reginald Attitude. Mm-hmm. Ruben Portillo holding it down for you here. Coming up in 20 minutes, we'll go inside the gray area where, of course, there is no gray area. We'll do that in 20 minutes here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers. Um, did you know that James Harden's 45 points was apparently a career playoff high? I didn't actually, but that seems reasonable. Like we've had a lot. We've had some really great playoff performances over the last week. You talk about Jimmy Butler putting up that. What was that? 56. 50 some. Steph put up a 50 of his own. Now you get 45 from James Harden. Like, some dudes are dialing it up. Fun to see. Yeah, I didn't realize that that uh, that 45 was his playoff career high. I thought he had like at least one or two 50-point games in the playoffs. But, hey. That is kind of incredible when you think about it. Like, he is not at the peak of his powers. Like, he does not have – he doesn't have the same burst, even though, like, he wasn't always the fastest dude. But he doesn't have the same burst as what he did five years ago. Um, he's He's still – Pretty strong, but I mean, there was a point in time where he he felt like an ox, and you know he's found a way to make that go. Especially because he doesn't play that style of basketball all the time like he used to. They play more acquiescent to um to Joel Embiid, and rightfully so. And he decided like they Joel Embiid was not playing. They broke it out, and he managed to put forty five of them things on the board. I'm not gonna lie to you, there was a time a point in time where I couldn't stand the way James Harden played basketball. I mean, it's not it's not wildly dissimilar from the way that Luka Doncic and the Mavs play basketball, and we can all be honest in saying that's not the most visually appealing, even if it puts up points. Yeah, because Harden stayed out there just trying to get fouls. I was like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand you trying. He to get was so good at it too. He was so damn good. That's what it's, it's so the, frustrating. Hey, why are you so good? Like at this? Why are you like this? Bro? Why are you so good at this car insurance fraud? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> oh man! Uh, shout out to the nine zero three. Big shout out to the get right. Both of y'all have majestic voices, soothing as I tolo while relaxing in my chair, winding down the night. That's sweet, 903. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Got it from my mama. Good. <laughs> you didn't know what to do with that. Nope. Fantastic. Sure um, did. <laughs> all right. So this is something I was I've been thinking on. Shout all out to weekend. my mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> this is something I've been thinking on all weekend. Um this we had a couple of teams really blow up in some ways 
in the postseason, you know, you talk about the President's Cup winners, the Boston Bruins quite literally having the best regular season that we've seen in hockey get bounced in the first round, you know, after going up 3-0 in the series, after going up 2, or after, rather, coming back from being down 2-0 in Game 7 and blowing that game, right? You have the Milwaukee Bucks being the best team in basketball, at least record-wise, then coming out in the postseason and losing in five games, not just losing in the first round, but losing that first round in five games, even though understandably so, you know, they lost to what was really the seventh best team because of the play-in, um, the Miami Heat had the seventh best record going in. They lost the first game to the Hawks, which made the Hawks the seventh seed, and then the Miami Heat came in at eight, so that's odd. But I think that what this is illustrating is something that's like the the postseason, like the weight that we put on the postseason, clearly not, you know, getting us to the point where we have the best teams that are winning. But that's not like entirely the point, right? We're getting, we're seeing, and especially in the NBA in the West, these rankings, like, or the, the seeding is not really representative of who the best teams in these situations are, right? And some of that is because the regular season, we've seen load management, we've seen all sorts of things happen in the regular season. And it feels like we've been over various different things. Even the play in itself was a measure that was added to help teams make more of the place play or the regular season care more about the play regular season and so it's a reasonable like problem that all these teams or all these leagues have been trying to address caring about the postseason these things mattering but are we going about it wrong or the regular season rather are we going about this wrong because the ways that we've tried to address all of the regular season woes is adding more playoff games right we've added play in um we've expanded even MLB playoffs, we've we've done an, an uh, NFL. Obviously, not exactly the same, but they've expanded. Mm-hmm. And the thing that keeps coming to mind, right, is uh, European soccer. Mm. All those games matter. Every single, I was watching the Everton game earlier, and you know, that was a decision. But um, <laughs> because like even the teams at the bottom care about this thing, and of sure. course that's because relegation and all those things. But I wonder, like, are we doing this right? Like, the postseason, we're trying to address regular season. We're trying to want to address viewership. We're trying to address by adding more stakes at the back end when I wonder if we should just be focusing more on the regular season and, cr- like, doing something like the President's Cup as the actual championship instead of adding on. Because we had the, what was it, the 73-win Warriors right in 2016. And when they lost that championship to the Cleveland Cavaliers, we saw everybody in basketball go, it doesn't matter how great you are in the regular season because you're still going to get clowned on the backside if you don't finish it off. Because we've, put, we've always put so much stock in this postseason. And I, I wonder why exactly that it is. I mean, it's always about or always been about getting to the end and winning a championship, the finality of completing a regular season by being called the best and being able to go through the process of a regular season, a postseason to really determine who is the best. But of the postseason the best. doesn't do that. That's not what the postseason postseasons are not made to determine who's the best. I think in theory and by design, they are. The ones that do it the best are usually the playoff series. And even that, they are built on stipulations that are starting to be a little, they're starting to be a little flimsy, right? What I was talking about, the NBA. Typically, we see the reason why people are like, yo, this is predictable. One seeds, two seeds, make it to the finals and then end up battling off there. 
Now we're not even seeing those seeds represent the best teams necessarily because there's a lot of injuries and because we're having load management and all sorts of things. So like how much are we even, you know, how much are we even doing this and finding the best team on the back end, right? The thing I think in America sports where you can look up and you go, usually we're getting a better selection of the actual best team college football before we get to playoff situations. Yeah, because I think about, I mean, college basketball, for example, one of the reasons why, yes, people enjoy the tournament is in part because of the randomization of the tournament. The idea that any team can be beaten on any given night. Yeah. And are we really determining who the best team is in college basketball by not having these teams play in a series of games? Because if you think about several of these games that we saw in the NCAA tournament this past year, you would think nine times out of ten, the higher-seeded team would probably win in most cases, but you only get one chance to win one game, which is why I think when you have the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, a series of games is generally supposed to give us whom the best team is. Now, Major League Baseball can be extremely random as well right? because we've seen plenty of years where wild-card teams who have been able to get in, get hot, and all of a sudden they're making postseason runs you know, to win championships or make it deep into the playoffs, into the World Series. I think for the NFL and the NBA, the NFL, you get one game. And I think most of the time, in the NFL especially, we're able to determine who the best team is. Giants did this twice. You sure? That's what I'm saying. It's it's rare when it happens. Like The Packers were a wild card team. They won a Super Bowl. The Ravens were, the 2012 Ravens were a wild card team that won the Super Bowl. It happens on occasion, but normally you get the best team out of the NFL making it to the Super Bowl most of the time. And my thing about it is we're clearly seeing the systems that we had set up not quite serve the way that we want. It's the whole reason I brought this up, right? Because I looked up and I was like, how do we get to this place where we're looking up and a team, number one seed is getting beat in five games? And a team that we're looking at as possibly the best you know, regular season team ever in the I'm, NHL is bounced in the first round. And like, I understand NHL can be a little bit dicey. I'm just that's wondering. More, are, much more random. Right. I'm, I'm wondering, are we just overthinking it? Because we're, again, the NBA in particular has gotten to this place where it's like, well, well, let's add these more stipulations to try and, you know, manufacture the result that we want. When I'm like, are we thinking about this too hard? Or are we just, are, are we working backwards here? Well, I think specifically to the play in when it comes to, you know, creating more stakes for the NBA. I think that had more to do with trying to create parity and ensuring that teams aren't out here tanking games sure. to try and determine results in lotteries and those kinds of things. Let's create more incentive for teams to stay in it longer versus mm-hmm. tanking to where teams are trying to lose these games on purpose and devaluing the regular season because these teams are doing so. But that's what I'm saying. You start talking about devaluing the regular season. Isn't there value in the regular season if that's what's determining your champion? It, it that's is. what I'm saying. Is Inherently, like, it is. There's a lot of things that we're doing to try. Like we, the NBA, again, I'm going back to the NBA here because this is the one that come, had kind of generated this thought. Um, they're putting in the whole uh, you cannot win you know, certain, um, certain awards if you are not playing games, a certain amount of games. And again, it just feels like we're trying to do all this to reverse engineer. And I... 
I understand it's not something that comes natural because we're so used to what has been. And I'm not I'm not also not saying definitively that this is in fact the answer. I'm just wondering if we've dismissed this out of hand without even thinking about it. And again, it just feels like this is what we're working towards. We're trying to find a way to make this regular season matter more to make sure that we are we are that all of these things that we care about all these things and the trade-off that we're getting with the playoffs is we have a time of year that's wildly interesting. And we're, we're losing more and more of that appeal of the regular season, whatever the sport is. I mean, hell, baseball purists for a long time did not want wild card because they're like, hey, man, you got to go earn it. You got to go win your division. Yeah. And we're and as we moved away from that, like there is some right to that, even if we're trading that for a little bit more excitement on the back end. Yeah. The advent of the wild card, I think, was one of the best things that ever happened in Major League Baseball because, again, creating more intrigue for the end of the regular season for teams to be incentivized to remain in it and try to create situations where they are playing for a playoff spot. You talk about the NBA and how the NBA is trying to create more intrigue and relevance for its regular season. We're about to see this happen once a new collective bargaining agreement is in place and ratified about this in-season tournament that they're going to be having. I wonder how teams are going to react and what react to and prioritize in the regular season because well yeah it's cool to have this in-season tournament to play for whatever that they're doing teams i'm sure if you're the milwaukee bucks the boston celtics you know the lakers the warriors teams that have real aspirations at winning a championship they're going to look at this tournament and say this tournament doesn't mean much of anything because what we're ultimately trying to play for is an NBA championship. And if you're telling us the way that we can get there is incentivizing our players to play in some tournament to get ratings up and create more opportunities for these guys to play so they're not being load managed, I wonder how teams are actually going to respond to that given what ultimately they're trying to play for here. And it's not to win some in-season tournament. It's to win an NBA championship. Right, right, right. So it's something I was thinking about, again, because you have these great teams exiting and it feels like it's happening a little bit more often. And I think, again, I'm looking at the way that the NBA shook out this year um, and the ways in which we're... Uh, I get it. We're not always looking for the true champion, right? We're kind of just... We want some excitement. We want some that will get the people going. I do wonder if, like, the idea of trying to find a true champion can be exciting and it's something that we just haven't thought enough about. You know what I mean? The other examples I think of are college football, as you started to you know touch on. Because that's the thing is, we love us some college football. Yeah, and I think they've tried to try to find the quote-unquote one true champion, but you really can't do that if you've got a committee out here sure. picking four teams while not looking at the other maybe eight teams that could and legitimately that- could be considered championship contenders while not giving a chance to play it out on the actual well field and that's because there's just not enough there's not enough you know um you can't have them play all them football games in order to be able to determine that we're about to find out soon though but this is the thing we we've talked <laughs> about they're gonna expand the playoff <laughs> well no that's not even point. what i'm talking about right like regular season type things in order to yeah. figure out who's the best right being able to you only have 13 games that you're playing mm-hmm. two, 12 or 13 games that you're playing against other competition some of these other sports we're talking about you need to lessen the number of games in the season be in order to uh, you know accommodate trying to get to these playoffs. You have enough games to play around your league and play round robin schedule and figure yep. out amongst amongst the the teams in your league who is the best. So I just wonder again. I've I've said it a few times. Just are we looking about are we looking at this question wrong? That's part of what I'm thinking about. That also brings us to another place of just like viewership in particular outside of like 
the the idealistic goal of a champion. I'm really interested about the idea of viewership, and maybe we talk about this at another time, because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we've seen something interesting happen with some sports with uh, the uh, the yeah Bally Sports situation with like uh, you were mentioning the Suns and the Mercury have actually t- gone to the ways of putting their broadcast on broadcast television, so not on cable like we were yeah, seeing a lot of times of cable, yeah. And I'm wondering if that's a way that we go to try and help get people back in on watching some of these regular seasons, just making it more available. If that changes the way that this goes, or if it's like actually quality of the game, or if it's just accessibility, where we have so much of this on cable, where you're paying for it, or streaming, where you're paying for it. And I wonder if broadcast helps bring people back. It's a fascinating question. All these teams are trying to find a way to incentivize players to play, create intrigue for the regular season and in the postseason. And in some ways, it's worked. I think the play-in tournament has worked fabulously for the NBA and we saw the first ever playing tournament team <laughs> win a series. Sure. The Miami Heat taking out the Milwaukee Bucks. This is an interesting question or pushback, at least on this idea from the 817. Too many NBA, MLB, NHL regular season games. I don't necessarily agree with that. That just means larger sample, which generally in scientific situations is better. But the idea of the lower teams in Europe play hard because of relegation, which is fair. I think also something to be to take note of is the teams at the bottom also don't play hard because there's incentive at the bottom for them to not play hard. If you if you are bad, you get good things. How about you also look at that, right? Like, look at the incentive structure that you set up where you go, hey, man, don't worry about it. We'll get you the best player in the draft if you stink. If you take that away, what's the incentive to be bad? And now maybe you get teams trying to be better. So again, I just... It's, I just keep thinking about these things like we keep thinking about it in a very narrow mindset because it's what we're thinking. And if we think outside the box, we might find some solutions that we weren't, you know, we weren't thinking about prior. That's all. I don't know. So get right. We're Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Fascinating discussion there. Trying to think outside the box on some of this stuff, given the longstanding relationship that we have with our championships and how they are determined. In each and every sport, we're going to go inside the gray area next where Mark Wahlberg asks you this question on whether or not you want to see this reboot next on the get right. About to go inside the gray area here on the get right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Ruben Portillo holding it down for here. Appreciate you joining us on this Monday night here on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers 105.3 The Fan. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll get you caught up on the latest headlines in this on this Monday in the world of sports, including the Philadelphia 76ers getting a tremendous upset on the road. Speaking of uh, NBA and NHL playoff games, the New Jersey Devils finish it off in Game 7. They get a 4-0 win over the New York Rangers, as they get the shutout to advance to the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, taking out the New York Rangers 4-0 in their best of seven series in Game 7 in New Jersey. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg, at a tool if you want to give us a follow there on Twitter. Ruben, let's go uh, inside the gray area here on the Get Right. Shout out to the uh, Met Gala tonight taking place lots of stuff happening out there lots, lots of photos lots of views mm-hmm. vistas as uh, i like to call them <laughs> at the 
at the Met Gala. Did we ever confirm what the uh, the theme was for the Met Gala? You this know what? Show? I'll look for it. Let's see what the theme was. It was a lot of black and white. It was a lot of roses. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly what the theme was. The theme was Carl Lagerfeld, A Line of Beauty, in honor of the late designer who passed away in 2019. Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know enough about his works to to give you anything beyond that. So no, understood there. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Joe Pavelski. It looks like Pavs is on his way back. Oh, he playing? He playing tomorrow? It, it looks like he will make his return to the ice tomorrow night for Game One against the Seattle Kraken. About the crack. How about that? Hooray! Yes, Bobby. Yes. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you something. That uh, hit that he took was vicious oh as hell, man. man. The Pavelski hit? Yeah, Ugh. man. Like his head bouncing off the ice and the way that it all went down. I'm glad that he's been able to get himself back to health and more importantly, back to an opportunity to be on the ice with his stars, teammates. Looks like he was skating today with a big smile on his face as the stars get ready to take on the Seattle Kraken in the Western Conference semifinals with an opportunity to get to the West Final and maybe get back to the Stanley Cup Final like they did a few. You, you skipping steps, ago. KG. I'm sorry. You skipping steps. How? Worry about this worry about this uh this this series, okay? It's exciting, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna be really excited to watch them play uh against this, against the Kraken. I'm not gonna skip steps, so okay. one step at a time. There you go. One Skipping step steps is how you end up falling downstairs. You feel me? That's good word of advice there. Mm-hmm. Filled with all kinds of nuggets here tonight. It's good stuff. Um, are y'all interested in a entourage reboot? No. Oh wow. No. I don't think it works now. Okay. Uh, How's Emmanuel? Sh- do you Shaquille even know? Do, wait, first of all, do you even know what that is? No. Nah, he's not old enough. No. Jeez, I don't even know why I asked you that question. How's Emmanuel Shakiri doing? Depressed. Is that her? Is that her name? Is <laughs> Sh- from Sh- the- Shrieky? Shrieky. Uh, from the two or four guys, what the heck is a Kraken? Really? Well, first of all, wow, I was about to be a jerk. I'm gonna try not. To, I'm gonna try and say <laughs> it without being. I'm a glad jerk. you reeled it back here because you was mm, ready to was fire close. that off there. I was close. I'm trying to be a better person today. I, I don't want you pulling the Zach Walchuck today. All right, so um, and all. Let's Google that together, friend. How's that sound? Oh, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna do a live Google? Oh, you want me to? All right, let's see. Yeah, let's hear Reggie do live Google. Reggie, what Reggie, is a Kraken. All right, here we go. <clears throat> no, I did not say him skating was more important than his health. I said it's glad. Yeah, that the, you did. I did you say kinda, that. You kind of said it. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not mean. That's He's, not what I you meant. You said he was back to health and more importantly. Oh, I'm sorry. To skate with. That's yeah, not yeah, what yeah. I meant. Yeah, I knew you meant it the other way. Yeah, thank you. But you know. Yes, I'm so sorry. Um, A17, thank you for the accountability. Yes, the most important thing is Joe Pavelski is back to health, and now he has an opportunity to be on the ice. That's what I meant to say. So thank you for that. I was like, I would never say anything like that. So the Kraken is a legendary sea monster of enormous size said to appear off the coasts of Norway. Not Seattle. Um, <laughs> so the idea, it basically, at least as it's been um, depicted, is a big old octopus or squid type thing. And so that is why you get all of the uh, tentacle type imagery with the Kraken. There you go. 
sea, you know, sea monster, basically. Thank you for the uh, the cracking lesson there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Next next time we can just Google it beforehand. <laughs> well, Mark Wahlberg addresses rumors of an Entourage reboot and how he'd feel about it. Apparently, you realize it's been eight long years since the Entourage movie came out. Eight years since the movie came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it was the final chapter of the show that ran for eight seasons on HBO. Yeah. Somehow, somehow we, well, it was just, it was, it was a different time. It's very different time. That's, that's what they say. That's what they, it was just mm-hmm. a different time. Yeah, no, um, again, I don't think we could make that now. I really don't. Also, I'm not sure if we'd want to make that now. Like it was very much a, a thing that at, at my, at my particular age then, you know, college age, it's like, oh man, this is cool. Now I'm like, are we serious? Are we, are we for real? Are we really doing this? Well, um, there's been some recent chatter about a potential entourage reboot. Mark Wahlberg addressed this on page six. Because it was basically his life. The entourage was basically the idea of his life. Yeah. Um, he said, quote, I don't know if it's going if that's going to happen, but I would definitely support it. When pressed on his thoughts about a reboot, Wahlberg added, I was always sad to see the show end and clarified that he, quote, isn't certain if there have been any real conversations about a reboot. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't, I don't imagine those conversations go very far. Wahlberg also stated that he believes the cast members, including Jeremy Piven, uh, Adrian Grenner, Kevin Connolly, and others would be in favor of a reunion. The r- rumors of a potential Entourage reboot picked up after Jeremy Piven pitched his idea of how it would work to E! News. Piven said he'd like to explore how Ari Gold would navigate this climate yeah, in exactly. Hollywood after all that's happened in the past 10 years. He added, quote, Ari it would be fun. <laughs> Ari, Ari bought out a whole different um, like firm. Went in there with a was a paintball gun and fired folks via paintball. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Ari would not still be in the league. He'd, he'd, he'd have been out the league if we're keeping it a buck. I mean, he wouldn't have made it ten years. <laughs> he added, "quote It would be fun to investigate where all these people would be today. There's been so much that's happened since then that it'd be a very fertile ground to explore." End quote. I think I'm kind of with him on that. But this is the thing, right? He's saying that like it's the type of show that did this with nuance explore exploration. That's not what the show was. It was never the tenor of the show. Well, maybe it was he's saying ki- that there would be some of that in and this. And then it's not Entourage. Then it's something entirely different that I'm not sure people would actually enjoy. Okay, it's funny you brought that up because it's kind of how we look at in some, not in a completely similar way, but in some ways, the reimagining of Bel Air, for example. You had the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm-hmm. and, and it, you had a complete reimagining yes. of Bel Air. Ask me if I watched it. My point is, mm-hmm. they've tried it, and clearly you sound like you've not watched no, it. No, I'm good on it. Um, but trying to find deeper stories or trying to re- reimagine how some of these ideas would look and telling the story in a different way. It might be intriguing. Mm-hmm. It might not be. It might not work. Right. I mean, but... Look, I'm just one person. I'm no, I'm no TV critic or anything. So y'all don't have to take my opinion for nothing. Um, I'm, I've just always looked at that like, yo, I, that does not feel like something we can make again. <laughs> does not feel like something we can the, do. The way again. it was originally made, no, definitely not. Um, but maybe a reimagined Entourage might work. Uh, from the eight one seven, they recently started showing reruns of Entourage. It's great. 
I love that show. Well, maybe you'll get the chance to see a a reboot of sorts, possibly. I'd I'd enjoy it more if they actually made Medellin. You remember the, you remember the movie, the Project Pasha, uh, Project uh, Picture that Vinny Chase in the show made? Oh, uh, uh-uh. uh, you didn't watch Entourage for real? That's cool. No, I'm just saying I don't remember. You remember it. the where he put on weight to play Pablo Escobar, and then it flopped. <laughs> no, okay. Maybe that's oh. why I don't remember. Oh, I did. Just in case you didn't know, I watched Watch Entourage. Please understand. <laughs> uh, from the nine four zero, wait. They remade Fresh Prince. It's on Peacock. That's probably why you don't know. Yeah, that's probably why you don't know. Yes, they reimagined um, Fresh Prince as a drama, entirely a drama, a complete drama. Yeah, and it's it's deep. <laughs> it's a lot deeper than what because when they originally announced Bel Air, I was like, oh okay, we're gonna do this with some new faces playing some of the same characters. And then they were like, nah, Kev, this is going to be a lot deeper. Yeah, didn't they make uh, Jeffrey instead of like a butler? Didn't they basically make him a hitman? Yeah, man. Man, that yeah. sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it was garbage. <laughs> wow, okay. Wow, okay. Well, that was I, a lie. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely reimagined Bel Air in a much deeper way. They made, so. they made him a Jamaican hitman. I was like, okay. Yeah, all right. they, they were doing a lot. Okay, fantastic. He was yeah. a fixer. <laughs> they, made the, the, they were like political drama, except not. <laughs> Completely a departure from the original Jeffrey. Do they at least still have the Bel Air High Academy basketball team in here somewhere? Oh yeah, they play. They hooping. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, they hooping. But again, much deeper. It gets grittier somehow. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, throwing elbows. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just the Bel Air, you know, Will Academy offense anymore. Um, the headline goes like this. <laughs> Man who fathered at least 550 children ordered to stop donating sperm. Yeah. 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 I, that, that's a good idea. Because, uh, well, first of all, though, why why is there so much of this? That sounds like that was a problem with the sperm bank that he was donating to. I feel like y'all should have managed this a little bit better. But, yeah, no, we can't have too many of your babies out here this in the same general vicinity. Something bad going to happen. Yeah, this is kind of wild. Something bad's going to happen. A 41-year-old man who fathered more than 550 children worldwide and lying about it to parents has been banned from donating any more of his sperm. This ruling comes as the result of a lawsuit filed against him by a foundation that serves to protect donor children's rights and by the mother of one of the children he allegedly fathered. Huh. He had previously been banned from donating to fertility clinics in the Netherlands in 2017 when it was learned that he had fathered more than 100 children there. Dutch (laughs) clinical guidelines state that donors are allowed to father a maximum of 25 children with 12 mothers. However, yeah, you got to you got to hang it up. Do they do anything for him? Do they like do they like raise his banner to the rafters? <laughs> 25. 25 of them things. Good job. You did it. You helped continue the population. Appreciate you. However, okay. rather than cease donating sperm, the man only identified as Jonathan M mm. from the Netherlands sure. took his talents abroad and started donating his sperm online through advertisements and online forums. Do you think that the person that was working at like DHL knew what they was handling? <laughs> Uh, package here for uh, fertility clinic. Definitely a package in there. Um, wow. 
What? Wow. What? Wow. It's a package. Sky News reports his lawyer said his client wanted to help people who would otherwise be unable yeah, to no, conceive. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, he said, he said, I'm doing the Lord's work no, out here. Nasty. For all of y'all. I want to know, like, what what's the sick fascination with this? Because, like, once once the country of origin was like, hey, dog, you did your work. Thanks. Take it to the crib. And he was like, <laughs> I got to stay in the game. I got to keep. I, I, I Look, I got to stay. I, I just love the game too much. <laughs> just for the love of the game. That's what, yeah, that's what is he that said. He, he the did the game? Aaron Rodgers. I still, I still want to play. <laughs> I still enjoy playing. He's like, I can't hang it up. But the judge. No, not good for him. Don't say good. Nobody out there listening should side with this guy. He's not the. He's not the victim here. You know this remind. The story reminds me of. This reminds me of the Law and Order SVU episode where John Stamos was out here fathering just a bunch of children, and he was out here just you know in the world like, hey, what are you doing? Um, the story goes on. But the judge who heard the civil case said the donor, quote, deliberately lied about this in order to <laughs> persuade the parents to take him as a donor, according to a statement from the court. A judge added that these parents are now, quote, now confronted with the fact that they're that the children in their family are part of a huge kinship network with hundreds of half siblings, which they did not choose. He is now prohibited, quote, from donating his semen to new prospective parents after the issuing of this judgment. The man who was believed to have fathered between 550 and 600 children since he began donating sperm in 2007 could face a fine of up to $110,000 if he's ever caught donating sperm again. Not enough. Not enough. I, I just, why are you doing this, man? Like he was acting. He can't possibly be taking care of all of these he kids. Was, no, he's he's just donating. Like he's this this is some weird fascination, man. I swear. I swear this has got to be some weird fascination with like, yo, I am going to Genghis Khan this thing. Like it's very weird. Why are you doing? Because this is the thing. It's not just like, well, I'm gonna take this to the next bank down the road, and this is like some altruism. He's he's actively like hiding identity and change. Like, how much are you getting paid for this? That's he's trying what I to scam. Know. Like this is crazy. The story finally, Get a hobby, dude. <laughs> the story finally ends. How about this? Unrelated to this particular story, but kind of. In 2019, gentlemen, a fertility doctor in the Netherlands was found to be the father of 49 children after he used his own sperm y'all like this? to inseminate patients. What is wrong with you people? Without their consent. That's insane. What? I'm very uncomfortable. That's your uncomfortable trip around the gray area or inside the gray area. I don't know if we're going to be inside anything right now. All right. That's just get me out of here. <laughs> Ejecto seat. Ejecto seat, please. Coming up next. Headlines that have nothing to do with fertility and sperm and everything else. Good God. Next on the get right.